Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to quickly let you know that if you DM me the word audit on Instagram, that's at Ken Westgar, we'll do a quick 15-minute audit of your launch. And by the end of the audit, you'll know exactly where to put your focus in order to grow and scale your next launch. So like I said, DM me the word audit on Instagram, and I'll talk to you soon. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Today, I am joined by Akila, and she is an SEO strategist, but... Not only that, she launched using Kickstarter, actually. We all know Kickstarter, right? Um, what's interesting is that she launched a book, and as a reward, people could sign up for her membership. And um, she says that, you know, everybody should at least try Kickstarter one time, and you can actually use it for a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be, you know, physical products or, you know, prototypes or whatever, so... This is a really interesting launch that she did, and it worked really well for her. And remember, if you're stuck in a launch, or you're about to launch, and you need some help to move forward, I want you to click on the link in the show notes, schedule a launch chat, and we'll figure out what your next steps is going to be. Now let's get into the episode. Have you launched your online course with great success? Or maybe you launched totally tank, and you just want to curl up and cry. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Westgar, and I'll help online course creators and membership site owners creating the most fun and profitable launches without having to go it alone. In this podcast, we talk about all kinds of launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories that highlights the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success that comes from being in launch mode. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Today, I am joined with a guest named Akila. How are you, Akila? Welcome. Hi, how are you doing, Ken? Thanks for having me. It's an honor to have you here. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about SEO and how we can use that for launch. And also, you did a Kickstarter launch, which is something we definitely haven't talked about on the podcast. That's going to be really interesting. But before we get started with that, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit? You know, Tell us who you are, who you serve, and how you help them. Well, as you mentioned, I do SEO. My name is Akil Tompkins Robinson, and my uh, brand is called Girl Get Visible. And the whole premise behind the brand and even doing SEO is to help female entrepreneurs. I have a couple of girl um, guys get visible too, so some guys too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I call them, my guys get visible. Yeah. Um, but to help entrepreneurs to really start to use their voice and their expertise to get out there in Google and get found. So we talk, talk everything about getting out there getting found and getting visible. But aside from the technical parts of SEO, I really focus on just the using your voice and your expertise, because that's really what people are looking for and what people want to get found for. So we really focus on that. Mm, so what do you mean by saying using your voice and, you know, getting found? How so, do you, what do you think about that? So every, most entrepreneurs, especially online entrepreneurs, we are in some shape or form a content creator. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're creating that content, let's say on Facebook or Instagram, but we're, you know, doing everything we can to go in groups and let people know what you do and the, the you know, no like trust factor. Mm-hmm. All of that in a sense is content creation. And it's very often I talk to someone and I'll say, well, what do you do and who do you serve? And they have all the answers because we go through all the programs and they tell us <laughs> yeah. the answers. And then you look on their site and there's nothing 
or right. there's very little of what they just told me. And so what's missing is that you don't even have what you're talking about and the things that you really know the most, you don't, you aren't reflecting them on your website. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite quotes, um, which is my own quote, but you know, if you don't, if you don't have it on your site, then Google doesn't know that you do it. And so people can't find you for it. So I really stress the content creation piece of SEO more than anything else, because that's the part that's missing. People feel a lot like SEO is a separate from their regular business or something else they have to do in addition (laughs) to. And it's like, no, if you take the messages that you're sharing over and over and over again, and you start crafting them into your about page and making sure that you've got blog posts around in those topics, making sure like if you've got a podcast like we have, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure you have episodes that go into those topics. That's one of the reasons we talked a little bit about solo episodes. One of the reasons I started more solo episodes because I had things to share. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, using those things, using your voice and your expertise to start attracting the right people to your website via search engines. And um, it makes SEO a lot easier, a lot more fun. And I think a lot less intimidating for people who are like, well, I don't know the technical part. It's usually the words that are missing, not necessarily the tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, SEO, that's a huge thing. And I can totally get that people find that intimidating. I mean, we heard so much about it, you know, you got to use the keywords and you got to do this and you got to do that and making sure that Google finds it. Yeah. But I think, like you said, it's just a matter of just putting it out there at least so that you know that you can at least be found. And some of this will be shown on Google. Uh, but basically what you're saying is, you know, repurpose your content from social media and put it on a website as well in some kind of form right? Yes. Well, repurpose your message. I teach people to start on their site and then use that onto your social. But if you're already Mm -hmm. someone who's been doing things on social, so if you've been doing a lot of Facebook work and doing a lot of um, Instagram work, you can definitely put that together and then put it onto your site. So whichever way, I start with where do you have stuff first? (laughs) (laughs) If it's still in your head, then you can put it on your site first and then you can break it up into your social, which makes life easier. If you've already been putting it out there, then you can gather it up from social and put it onto your site. Like one of the things um, I do sometimes is just repurpose my lives. And it's amazing because the way live streams are on Facebook, and this is how Facebook works. So Facebook isn't broke and people are always trying to blame it on Facebook, but this is just the tool and how it works. It is designed to show people the latest and greatest, meaning the latest, like whatever's come out within the last two, three days and whatever's getting the most engagement. So it's designed to show people the latest and greatest. You can have an amazing live that you did and it could be right that the moment the latest and greatest and get thousands of hits within about a week if you look at your insights you'll see those thousands of hits will drop down to hundreds of hits mm-hmm. and within about two three weeks those hundreds of hits will drop down to zero hits right. just because it's no longer the latest and greatest not because the content got any bad or got any worse it's just no longer the latest and greatest you can take that same live and put it on you know put it as a youtube video or put it as a yeah. podcast episode or put it as something that is now from your website so even youtube i embed on my website you mm-hmm. put it on your website put some notes around it that tells people a little bit about what it is and some words that it can get found for. And now that same episode or that same live that you did will live over and over and over again. I did this a couple of months ago that I actually showed the numbers for um, an episode I did about Tyler Perry. He made a speech at an award ceremony and I did a whole live rant <laughs> about Tyler Perry and what he said. And this exact same thing happened. It got thousands of hits initially and then it went down to hundreds and then it went down to zeros 
and then mm-hmm. I put it onto my podcast. And to this day, it is still getting a couple of hundred downloads per month. And I, I stress to people that if I had left that where it was, it would have died on the vine. It just would have Such been gone. A good point. And no longer been visible, no longer been available. People no longer have been finding it. But since I put it on my website, now it is still living on. It is still getting in front of people. It is still gaining traction. So I'm making a lot more, um, a lot more headway with that one piece of content than I ever would have if I would have left it on Facebook and left it there. Mm, yeah. So those are things I encourage people to do with their. Stuff. Yeah, but uh, that is an excellent point. To be honest, I really like that one. That's really good. Awesome. Uh, I, I got to admit, SEO is something I haven't been paying attention to at all. But, you know, back in the day, keywords was like the big thing. Is that still really important or has that changed in some kind of way? What is Google looking for in terms of SEO? So keywords are still important in the sense that you do need the right words on your site. They're less important of trying to find that one perfect golden keyword. So the first thing is that there's no golden keywords. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I know someone's hurt, Um, but there's no golden keyword. The good thing is, is that there are millions of different keywords. Keywords are whatever word or phrase that someone is putting into that little search box. So it could be one or two words. It could be a sentence. It could be, you know, it could literally be anything. Usually a good keyword these days is a about five to six words because it's more of a phrase than it is just one specific word. The great thing about SEO is that you won't just come up for one keyword. Like just recently I was looking at my own analytics and I think I'm up to about 350 different keywords that my site is getting found for. Each one of those keywords are going to bring some level of traffic. They've got some people searching for them and they're going to bring some level of traffic. And that's what really combines to some really good Google traffic, not just going after one and saying, I need to knock everybody out the box. That's going to be a lot of work and super, really difficult. So um, one of the things is that the keywords now isn't just about having one word. It's really about having multiple words. And keywords in the simplest form is just speaking your searcher's language. So you know your audience, you know your people, you know what they're looking for. Like even, you know, your podcast, you know, oh my God, I'm launching. Like, okay, that's what people say. (laughs) They might actually be saying, you know, how do I launch? When do I launch? What do I do on launch? I'm stressed out launching. Those are all keyword phrases that should be somewhere on your site and know the things that people are going to be searching for. And if you're speaking their language, then you're most likely to get found for it. So keywords are still very important. It's just how we think about them and how we use them that is really changing in the Google landscape. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this sounds really a lot like if you do, if you're working on your messaging, you obviously, you research with your customers, your ideal clients and all that. You try to, you know, get those, phrases as you say and figure out what are they saying and you basically would just take that and use that as a keyword phrase basically yes Yes. you would want it somewhere on your site so how you use it is you know different depending on the site and what pages you're going to put on but it may be like the stresses of launching you may decide to do a whole blog post about that Mm -hmm. or you may just somewhere on your homepage or your services page say are you stressed out launching you know are you tired of having launches that don't work so it may just say it somewhere like that like I say with keywords I always use you guys can't see my fingers but imagine me sprinkling the salt so you (laughs) sprinkle them all over your site so you start using them 
in normal language and normal, however you would normally speak to your audience, but you make sure that you sprinkle in keywords in between it. That's another thing that's really important is that we optimize and do this work so Google can find us, but you still have regular people coming to your site. And once they get there, you want them to read and enjoy and understand the things that are on your page. You don't just want like a string of keywords. You don't just want a random floating keyword on your page just out there. You want to make sure that it ties into what you're saying, ties into your message and that you make like either a whole blog post or you incorporate into language of your about page. You want to make sure you you bring it into what you're saying, not just like here, keyword, you know, next (laughs) keyword. Don't do that. Google hates that too. But really people hate it when they get there. So what are some of the easiest ways for people to start thinking about how to be found with SEO? What's the simplest way to start? So the the first thing is, of course, knowing what your people are looking for and what language they're using mm-hmm. when they're looking for it. I use This is where I use Facebook groups a lot. I don't go on Facebook groups. Facebook groups so much to just like chit chat and put my links out there and all that other stuff. I go in there to read and research because that's where people are natively speaking, natively sharing their issues, natively sharing their concerns. And they're also natively sharing the language and how they would describe something. Mm -hmm. Those are things you definitely want to jot down. So I first start with making sure that I've got some of the words that people are using and those words are somewhere reflected in my content. Then I use, I have a whole method of how we um, kind of do some some uh, analytics and some work around our keywords. So I use the race method to determine what is the best keyword. It's like, you know, being in a race, think of like uh, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there's like the 400th of the, you know, four by four and all these other things that you can actually like run in these races. You want your keywords to be doing the same thing. Every keyword is now a new, like something you're running in now, something that's new and, and you've got different competition. So we do this whole way of evaluating, is this one, a race I can win or is this one that maybe I should sit on the bench for? (laughs) And so the ones that you think you can win, the ones that we know the competition isn't that bad and that, you know, you've got a good chance of relaying it to your business, relaying it to your people. Those are the ones that we focus on putting on the site. Then um, the next thing we do is really focus on getting backlinks. And a lot of people miss this part. They do the content creation and then they don't want to get backlinks and backlinks are links from other people's sites. Okay. And this is really important. We'll talk about this in my Kickstarter launch, how I really use this there and getting those backlinks. Backlinks are like the secret sauce for SEO, the secret sauce for Google. Google looks to see how popular your site is and not popular by numbers, but they determine popularity by are other people using you as a resource? Mm-hmm. Are other people linking back to you? So if you get on like podcast interviews where normally they would link to your site and say, you know, you were on the show and maybe it'll link to an article or something, or if you do guest blog posts where you write for someone else and they give you like a link back to your site. All of those were considered backlinks and building those backlinks are really super valuable for your site, for your business, for everything, because not only are you getting in front of their audience, but you're also showing Google that you are the most popular. I always give the example, I'm a Jersey girl for those who haven't heard that part yet. (laughs) So I live in New Jersey, which is right next to New York. Um, And New York is five five boroughs, five areas of of the state of New York. And Manhattan is the New York we all know. Manhattan has different bridges and tunnels that lead to Manhattan, which is why everybody goes there, why the commerce is there, the transit is there, all this stuff. Next to Manhattan, there's another lesser known island called Staten Island. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Unless you know Wu-Tang, then you know Staten Island. <laughs> most people don't know Staten Island like that. But Staten Island, I think, only has about two or three bridges, and I swear one of them is always closed. So they only have a couple of bridges to them. And it's, of course, it's lesser known. And it doesn't have as much traffic. It doesn't have as many people. And part of the reason is because it doesn't have as many connections to it. Mm-hmm. And so that's my example. If you want that real world example, like look at a map of Manhattan and Staten, and you'll easily see that having connections to your site is going to get you more traffic and going to get you more people and hopefully make you millions like Manhattan does. <laughs> really exactly. Awesome. Um, how does SEO, you know, work in terms of you doing a launch? Um, is that something, I mean, how long does it really take for Google to pick up on the SEO? So how can we, can we use that for a launch? So SEO works in a couple of different ways. So I would not say start SEO specific for a launch. Mm-hmm. That That's the one thing I would not do because it does take more time. And it's more of a lasting connections of gathering people, not something that's just like a, you know, eight week window. Here's during yeah. my launch period. I'm going to start now using SEO. I use SEO a couple of ways. One, having always that steady stream of traffic and having the steady stream of opt-ins. So on the other end is once you get them there, you know, make sure you have the pop-up, make sure you have some opt-ins specific to some of the articles. Like I take my most important posts and make sure there's something for them to opt in on that, that, posts because I know people are already coming there. Those right. are the ones that Google's sending. So definitely making the most of the traffic that you get will make every launch easier because you've got a steady stream of new people coming. Mm-hmm. So that whole ramping up and getting your your new um, leads and stuff like that, you don't have to worry about that as much. The other thing is around the type of content that you'll create. You'll be creating and building an audience. You'll be putting out regular content. When I'm around launch time, I gear my content towards something that's going to be around the launch. So if I'm going to like, sometimes I'd switch up my launches to where like, sometimes I'll talk about repurposing. Sometimes I'll talk about keywords. I'll like whatever I'm going to focus on. Mm -hmm. So I'll do more content around that topic. So that way the people that I have and the people that are coming start seeing these new messages about the thing that I'm going to start doing webinars about or start doing a challenge about. So they're already kind of getting primed. Um, I also do things around objections. And I think that's one of the ways we started talking to group because I'm doing podcast episodes now around things that people would say, you know, well, I don't want to do SEO because it takes too long. So I'm going to make sure I have content that talks about it taking too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't want to do SEO because, you know, Know, Google changes. So I'm going to have something about, well, Google changing. So I'm going to talk about all those, those objections that might stop someone from getting into a product that I'm then going to use that content to share during the launch. So as I talked about taking something and then repurposing it across my social, all of my content is kind of well-placed, not just on my site, but also in my calendar of how I'm going to work through. And then the last piece where I use SEO is that link building phase. So when I'm about to launch, I make sure I do a lot of the podcast episodes, a lot of the, the um, guest blog posts, a lot of the mm-hmm. things that I know are going to bring more links because A, Google's going to see an influx of my popularity. So mm-hmm. Google's going to be like, oh, she's the it girl this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is definitely going to like, you know, see that this is something that's important and other people, and I'm getting in front of those other audiences. So I'm still going to start sending some people back that way. So mm-hmm. if you use it all together, I call it multiple streams of traffic. Like most people talk about multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. I use multiple streams of traffic. So if you use it that way in kind of the um, the ecosystem of everything that you're doing, then SEO can really help to boost not just one launch, but every launch. Hmm. Wow. Well, this is, uh, this is amazing advice, though. I love that. 
So let's dig into a little bit about the Kickstarter launch that you did because Kickstarter, um, maybe we should just start talking a little bit about what Kickstarter is and so people know what that is and then we can kind of go into the launch that you did with that. Okay. So Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform where it enables you to put up a product that is not yet created and start to advertise it, promote it, talk to people and set a goal for how much you want to raise and then raise money towards that specific goal. And so I was able to do, I did a Kickstarter. I have a book called My SEO Workbook and a membership called My SEO Work Club. And I was able to do a Kickstarter campaign at the end of 2018, like September, 2018 is when I actually did the, the campaign and the book came out later in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a campaign. I was, I exceeded my goal by like 125% and I had a goal of 2,500. So it was able to, it enabled me like all the printing illustration mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the beginning, um, yeah dollars needed to actually launch my product. And it was an actual launch, which I think is really important. It's not just getting on Kickstarter to say, oh, come give me money. You know, it's (laughs) definitely not a GoFundMe campaign. Um, But a Kickstarter campaign in itself is a launch. It's just launching on a different platform and having, you know, a little bit of different um, backing behind it. Mm -hmm. So you said you launched a book and a membership. So what was the book? How did you, did you, write the book before you started this crowdfunding? So I hadn't, I didn't finish writing the book. I was about 70% done. And then um, I always have to tell people that like maybe about 80, 80% through, I scrapped the whole book and rewrote it again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I was, and I would recommend like, you should be at the, not say final stages, but close to the final stages. So you should have, like I did have most of the book written and have the outline and know what I wanted to write, even though I scrapped it and started all over. I mm. still had the same outline, still had the same content and everything. I did things before the Kickstarter, like I had a, um, um, I had a video, a promo video made. I had the cover completed. So when you go to the Kickstarter, you'll see the cover and some of the inside pages, which is funny. I was just looking at it to prep for this, like, oh, let me look at my campaign again. And I realized one of the inside pages that I show in the screenshot, I changed the look of that. Okay. <laughs> There's like a table and now all the tables have a different like darker background. So I was like, wow, this is really, this is really like beginning, beginning. So you have like a, a pretty good, like some people who are launching a product they may have a prototype done they may have like for the membership i just had the idea of a membership i knew i already had another membership in another niche so i was pretty pretty good on creating a membership mm-hmm. so i just had the idea of what this was going to be <laughs> for that and so the more the more you have the better your kickstarter campaign will, will be mm-hmm. um, but you can start with nothing but you at least want to start with some photos some prototypes some things you can really tell people about is there any limitation to what you can put out on Kickstarter. I mean, obviously we all think about Kickstarter and like you said, it's products, it's prototypes and all that stuff, but you did a book, you did a membership. I mean, is there any limitations to that? Um, there, I know there are some limitations. So the question, the answer is yes. I don't know all yeah. of them. I can send you a link of, they have like a little blurb of what they can and can't do. I know things like it has to be an actual beginning and end product. So you okay. can't just do like a Kickstarter for your business. You could do a Kickstarter. I, 
I'm almost sure you could do a Kickstarter for like the first time you run a course mm-hmm. or the first time you do something. So it has to be something that doesn't already exist in the world. It has to be something that has a beginning and end. So like even for the membership, although it's an ongoing membership, it needed to have like a launch date. So it needed to be kickstarted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and then they have some other different uh, genres and stuff that they prefer people not to use Kickstarter for. There are other crowdfunding platforms like Indiegogo and some of the other ones. Um, but they do have some rules around some of the things. But I've seen people kickstart clothing lines. I've seen kick- people kickstart movies or TV series that they wanted to create. I've seen, of course, books, calendars, planners, those type of things, electronic equipment. We actually, in my house to this day, we have a, it's called the, the Power Cube. And it's like one of the first cubes with like the uh, USB slots okay. <laughs> um we we got a whole bunch on kickstarter and we still have them a couple of years later <laughs> which is pretty good um i see one of the ways i fell in love with kickstarter was one of my favorite groups de la soul they kickstarted one of their albums so they actually did a huge kickstarter campaign to um to fund the creation of one of their albums um lavar burton used it when he wanted to bring back reading rainbow if those who are old enough to remember reading rainbow i am <laughs> So I gave him lots of money for Reading Rainbow to come back. But, you know, he wanted to, and although you're thinking, well, Reading Rainbow already existed, it was no longer in existing existence at the time. And he wanted to bring it back as a program that would now go out to different schools. So he kind of reimagined it mm-hmm. and was bringing it back at the same time. And so he was able to use Kickstarter for that. So those are just some examples of, um, of Kickstarters. I love it. Love it. So do you think everybody should, you know, at least try out Kickstarter for just one launch just to see if it actually works for them? Absolutely. I think just about every business should come up with something that they can kickstart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, it may be a little bit more difficult. Like I would not normally kickstart my normal day-to-day business, like my coaching or my services or anything like that. But this book was a perfect example, a perfect chance. Same thing with my membership. It was a perfect chance. Um, and here's one of the reasons why I think that everyone should kickstart. Other than the fact, it's fun. It's fun to get it out there. But Kickstarter also has the name behind it. So like I said, mm. there are other platforms, but people resonate with Kickstarter. So you're now opening up yourself and your business to something a completely different audience maybe not even your traditional online entrepreneur audience that we're used to but still online and still entrepreneurs maybe people who are used to, who are interested in books or maybe people who are just interested in other like electronics and stuff like that that's a whole other world and a whole other segment of people that you can now get found on kickstarter like everything has a little seo in it so yeah. you can get found on kickstarter for the programs the projects actually remain out there so you can now still find my Kickstarter just go look for my SEO workbook you can still find it on Kickstarter and so it also gives you some pretty good links and it gives you that visibility so mm-hmm. when someone's looking for your name or someone's looking for something about you now they're also seeing that you've got a Kickstarter under your belt so I, I think there's so many pros to doing a Kickstarter that it's something that everybody should at least do once hmm. cool um, how is Kickstarter in terms of you know promotions do you does kickstarter itself have any run in promotions on your product or do you have to kind of do everything yourself do you have a paid promos how does that work 
So there's a combination of all of those available. You definitely want to promote yourself. You want to do a lot of promotion yourself. Don't think that Kickstarter is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. If they do have, like they have the directory. So if someone's looking for SEL, they're going to wind up finding my campaign. Um, but the campaign's a set amount of time. My campaign was 21 days. I think you can run from seven to like a hundred and something days. I chose 21 days because that was the kind of the best timeline I'd seen most people doing was a good 21 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they will, you know, you got to hope somebody's looking during that time. So I would not just rest on someone looking during that time. If you do really well in the beginning, like your first couple of days of Kickstarter, they do have like the front page of Kickstarter and some Kickstarter emails and stuff that they send out. So you have the possibility of being in the running for those, but that's like getting on the, the, um, the new and noteworthy in Apple. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's something you should not rest your laurels on. Um, so I would not say that there are not necessarily through Kickstarter, but there are actual whole businesses around promoting Kickstarter. So they're like Kickstarter backers, uh, Kickstarter backers club. There's a couple of people who they have curated lists of people who are interested in Kickstarters and you can promote your campaign on those platforms. And so they'll send them out in emails and they'll send them out to different people product bases do that do better on those because they're like gamers and comic book artists who use kickstarters for theirs and so they seem seem to be seem to be a lot of those people on those lists my particular product did well on there on i think i use kickstarter club was the one that i used it did well only because i attract other businesses and most businesses are kickstarters so i don't know if i got their regular audience or i got the audience who uses them also but i got a pretty good audience from there mm-hmm. um just for that that reason so there are ways that you can promote i spent a lot of time doing my own promotion i did since i was doing a 21 day campaign my goal was to be on 21 different platforms throughout the time so i did a press release at a press release created which did really really well got a lot of traction from the press release and then I actually paid to have that like distributed like on PR wire and um, black PR and a couple of other PR networks I think it was like three or four different ones to get my press release out there and of course the press release was also on my site so Mm -hmm. people could find it and google it it's actually still on my site Yeah, and you um, get so they, backlinks from everybody else's. Well, don't yes, you get backlinks. You get lots of backlinks. There, you see how this mm-hmm. works, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good. Like all, like everything works together. I kind of planned this out before I even did the Kickstarter of how I was going to work it together. Um, but then, in addition to, so I got the PR buzz going on, and then I was literally on a world tour. So I was doing. I think I did fifteen of the twenty-one days. I was on podcast episodes. I was in Facebook groups. I was just anywhere. If somebody wanted to talk to me about Kickstarter or talk to me about the book, I was there. And that also helps to build a lot of buzz, helps to get the sales and helps to keep your campaign going. So you really have to, it's truly a launch. It's not just a, I'm going to kickstart today and and walk away. You definitely um, put in a lot to get yourself out there in those 21 days and throughout that time. So. And then would you use Facebook ads towards the Kickstarter product? Kevin? You can. I I don't use a lot. Um, I generally don't use a lot of Facebook ads, mm-hmm. but I you can definitely use it. I've definitely seen um, Kickstarter Facebook ads, so there's you can there's no restrictions or anything like that on Facebook ads. I used a bit of Facebook ads, but usually mostly to my warm audience, just to let them know that this is out there. Mm-hmm. You can get the book now because essentially they're buying a, a something that doesn't exist yet. 
Yeah. So you also will, will get your biggest raving fans. Like those are your true, true fans because mm-hmm. <laughs> they are really buying something that just doesn't exist yet. So um, you can definitely use Facebook ads. I did use a bit of Facebook ads for mine. Cool. Uh, you mentioned something about uh, other crowdfunding platforms as well. Um, is like is Kickstarter like the biggest one, and how are the other ones in terms of should you put the campaign on the other ones as well? You can only put the campaign on one at a time. Okay. Most of them are very strict about being on only one one platform. What I have seen people do, especially those who are trying to get lots of funding for physical product, physical product campaigns are usually in like the tens of twenty to thirty thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need a lot of funding and they need to secure sometimes, and they they usually need more. But they'll do like a something achievable, which is another thing we could talk about why you price your campaign the way you do. But they uh, try they'll price it as something achievable in one place and then let that carry out and then go to another place in another smaller number so they can add up to what they really need at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. But um, there are so like Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo, and there's a couple of other ones. Those are really the two big ones. The biggest difference is that Kickstarter is an all or nothing. So you have to reach your funding threshold, which is why you keep it kind of low and achievable. You have to reach that threshold in order to get the funds. So my threshold was originally at 2,500 and that was just so I knew it was something that I could do. I could mm-hmm. do 2,500 um, and I could still produce the product. So it's kind of like you got to meet yeah. in the middle. <laughs> So you don't want to do 500 and then you don't have enough money to produce your product. So you need to be able to produce your product and have it something that's like pretty low and achievable. And I knew with what I wanted to do, like the artwork, the printing setup, the stuff that I needed to get done, I could do it at least at bare minimum with that amount. And every, anything else was just more and was gravy and was great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's how you really want to look at, especially with Kickstarter. Indiegogo, the difference with those, with that one, and I didn't look into it as much, but the difference with that one is that it's not all or nothing. You can get incremental, but you still have to produce the product. So yeah. you can, they'll, if you only raise half your, your funding goal, they'll let you get that half of the money, but you still got to figure out how you're going to get the other half if you need it in order to produce your product. So that's kind of the difference. One of the reasons why I chose Kickstarter is because it had the biggest name brand. This is one of those times where you don't want to be on an obscure platform. No matter how nice, no matter how you know new or how many bells and whistles they claim they give you, if people don't know about the platform then and people don't trust the platform, then they're definitely not going to donate or not going to um, contribute to your funding. So Kickstarter, everyone knows Kickstarter. When I say Kickstarter, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, and also, like I said, the authority building of it all. When I say that I funded on Kickstarter, people are like, wow, Kickstarter. <laughs> so you want people to have that reaction when you're going, when you're on a crowdfunding campaign, because again, they're buying into nothing. Some people don't even know who you are because they're coming in either through Kickstarter or some of your marketing or whatever. So you need them to have you need them to have that trust somewhere and most people trust Kickstarter, which is why I decided to use it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this has had, this has been really interesting. Um, people obviously need to take a look at Kickstarter and see if that's something that could fit for their product or course or whatever, and maybe see if that can use Kickstarter for a launch. Um, you have any tips, last tips for people who want to try Kickstarter out? 
I would definitely say to look at other campaigns and I welcome you guys to go. Like I said, if you go to Kickstarter and I'll give you the link to my actual campaign. (laughs) If you go to Kickstarter, you can look and see other campaigns. Um, The campaigns look a lot they look like they've been well put together. Like I said, this is a real launch. So the way we do a really nice put together sales page for our launch, the way we would do all the emails for our launch, this is not just a throw it up and let me see if this this works really quick. You Mm -hmm. really want to put a lot behind it to prepare for this. I did a whole video where I had, I mean, I'd been teaching SEO before, so it wasn't the topic that was new. So I had testimonials from my past students in my video. Mm -hmm. I had um, little, I'd used uh, placeit.net to get lots of mock-ups because I had the cover done and I had already paid for the cover. I used 99designs to get a cover created. And so I had at least the cover mm-hmm. <laughs> of the book. And so, you know, there's lots of mock-ups of the picture out there. There's some graphics that I'd put together, I wrote it up and, you know, based on what I saw a lot of other pages doing. So creating a really good page, treating this like it's a really, uh, really a big launch for you. Not just thinking, oh, it's Kickstarter. People are just going to know what I'm trying to sell them and know what I'm trying to do. The other thing we really didn't talk about a lot, but how I, why, how and why I put the membership with the campaign was all about the rewards. The Mm. rewards are really, really important, especially if it's something like for a book. I've seen a lot of people mess up in their rewards where it's like, okay, you know, what, the first reward level is one book. The second reward level is two books. It's like five books. And at some point in time, people just don't need or want that many books. Yeah. So you really um, kill people, kill your campaign a little bit and kill your higher dollar funding. You really kill that with just giving lower dollar rewards or rewards that aren't as important to people. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I had my first level was a book. Um, my second level was a color edition, limited color edition. So there, you can't get it anywhere if you didn't get it during the Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. The third level and fourth levels, that's where I started getting into the membership. So I knew I was going to do a membership. I knew that the, and the, the membership is directly associated with the book. All my members have a book. <laughs> it's my SEO work club while the book is my SEO work book. And it's the club where we work on the book. Yeah. So, um, so I knew they were going to be closely uh, put together. I knew I wanted to do that like for my entire business model because I'm used to having a membership. And so the next levels were one month and three months in the membership. I used that as a way of getting that higher dollar reward and getting my initial members for my um for my my membership. So and it worked out really well. I still to this day we launched the membership last year of March 2019. I still have members who are, they're playing their Kickstarter rate Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're still members of the membership. So it's definitely a great way to launch a membership too. Um, So I use that. The other things I did for rewards were some of my time. Like this is one of the things that De La Soul taught me is that if I would have had $5,000 at the time that they did their Kickstarter, I could have been spending a day with one of the members of the group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, LeVar Burton did this too, but I wasn't as excited to spend a day with him. But De La Soul, I was really thinking about it. So um, the day actually, but it's the higher, higher dollar. So like I said, theirs was 5,000. Mine's was not 5,000, but it's a much higher dollar if you want somebody like, you know, to actually take your time and Mm -hmm. put that in. Also rewards that never will exist anywhere else. I consulted with another creator. He had an eyeglass company and he, when he was initially doing his Kickstarter, he had the one glasses, two glasses, five glasses. And I was like, stop. (laughs) 
<laughs> no one wants another pair of glasses, but what they might want is a book bag or they might want a sweatshirt or they might want something else. Mm-hmm. Now you're not like, he's not a book bag company. He doesn't plan on producing book bags or ever selling book bags, but we came up with some limited edition. We use discount mugs to just get some printed materials made. And so we came up with some limited edition products that he was able to use as higher dollar rewards for his, his Kickstarter campaign. So it was like, you know, glasses and a book bag or glasses and a sweatshirt or glasses and a thing. So that way you can get those higher dollars. So look at ways to increase and maximize those rewards are really super important in your Kickstarter campaign. Excellent advice. Yeah, I really love that. <laughs> All right. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about you on social media, your website, all that stuff? So I am girl get visible everywhere. <laughs> so you can find me. I spend most of my time on Facebook. I, uh, you know, just there. <laughs> um, so Facebook is the best place to find me. Girl get visible on Facebook or my group, which is the SEO growth mob. Um, my site is also girl get visible. And since you guys are listening to podcasts, I have a podcast, which is the girl get visible podcast, where we talk about SEO and driving traffic. And I actually have some more Kickstarter. Um, I, I chronicled my Kickstarter experience on my podcast so there's three episodes of the b the before the middle and the end of my kickstarter life is on that podcast and they're not together because it literally was months apart but you'll see (laughs) them on there (laughs) but it's a three-part series on everything i did for kickstarter so you guys can find me there yeah okay we'll put up all that in the show notes and i'm sure uh, Kayla would be happy to answer any questions you have about kickstarter or seo so reach out to her and uh yeah figure out how you can start Kickstarters yourself. Uh, appreciate your time, Gila. Uh This was really interesting. It's definitely something different. Uh, Kickstarter is definitely something people can launch with. So appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to share with you guys. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We'll catch up again next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Now, if you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you left a review over on iTunes. And secondly, head on over to Instagram and connect with me at Ken Westgar. That's K-E-N-W-E-S-T-G-A-A-R-D. And drop me a DM and tell me all about your launch. And I'll catch you in the next episode.